When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. to the PHLY Eagles podcast. Zach, I'm sorry we're doing this. You have no idea what's going on, but everybody has been wondering, what are we going to do for DeVito week, Tommy Cutlets week? Well, he's coming to Philly. Mr. Cutlets, we are here at Farina DeVita, the best cutlets in the city. They just won the Tasty Award for uh, the best hoagies in the city. We are going to get their DeVito special and try it out. Let me get uh, one DeVito special, please. What the fuck is that? Like a cutlet, I mean, like a... You want cutlets on a roll or something? What, what, like what would uh, be like what he is? I don't know, like yeah, ketchup and mustard or something? DeVito, Tommy Cutlets. The fuck is that? You know, the, the Giants guy. Nothing? I got you, hold on. All right. All right. You want what, cutlets? Why? Yeah, on a roll. All right. Maybe like uh, Giants colors, maybe. Giants uh, colors. Red. Well, I guess that's ketchup, oh, like right? Roasted pa- ketchup? Yeah, why not? All right. What else? I feel like this will be like uh, what he's like as a player. Yeah, no problem. Fuck it, Tommy Cutlets. Yeah. Tommy Cutlets. Yeah, Kath, bring this up. One jerk off special. Yeah. Is that what you wanted? I mean, I guess. That looks like, I mean, could be worse, right? I mean, I, don't, I wouldn't eat that. <laughs> Hold on. I got you. Big dog. Homemade cutlets, homemade hot sauce, blue cheese, lettuce, tomato, onion, black pepper. Tell Tommy Cutlets the Eagle said hello. Oh, I like that. Let's 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 give it a taste. Mmm. There's only room for one Italian football hero in Philadelphia. I'm pretty sure it's Big Dom.
Hello, and welcome to the PHLY Eagles podcast again. Bo Wolf, Zach Berman, Dana Selman, the professor is here. We got a lot to talk about. Uh, Zach, I think your heart was probably, you were a little bit nervous throughout Very. that. How are you doing? So much better than I anticipated. <laughs> I was worried. I was, I was worried there was going to be something that was culturally uh, like <laughs> inappropriate, uh, that there was going to be, it was going to be Danucci 2.0. And one of the classics that was terrific. That was entertaining. And it also gave me a new place to go. I have a cutlet place. That's my number one. But I got to try there. I haven't been there. Well, shout out to Jason from uh, Farina DeVita. He was, I mean, he, he was fantastic. Yes. Uh, like I told him, he, he, he would be much better at my job than I am at his for sure. Uh, and also, Rachel texted me this morning. She was uh, having the, the leftovers, the, the Big Dom sandwich. She said, this, this Farina sandwich is fire. So I like that. That place is great. Uh, check it out. It's on like 3rd and Catherine. Uh, so, you know, check out Farina DeVita. Thank you, thank you to those guys for helping us out. I will say, though, Zach, we've got a long show to get to. The DeVito-related surprises are not oh, done yet. The sickos <laughs> need to stay tuned until the very end oh, no. for a special oh, no. special DeVito situation. Uh, Dennis, how are you? I'm, <clears throat> I'm doing well. I, I was mainly curious how long that was going to be. Yeah. But, uh, no, it was, it was yeah, we're rushing to get you in here so you, you can sit for another two and yeah. a half minutes. But we got a lot to talk about. Uh, we have not dug really into the specifics of this Giants team yet. We will do that with you. We're going to get, of course, to Goose Wisely, all that good stuff, everything related to the matchups. But, Zach, first, tell us, Stone Cold Newsman-wise, what happened at the Novacare Complex yesterday. You had a chance to hear from Matt Patricia yeah. for the first time, and there's some news on the Eagles' injury front. Yeah, let's start with the injuries here because it is relevant from the from the perspective of looking at this game. Uh, Avante Maddox, who the Eagles started his 21-day practice window, we knew that was happening. What we didn't know what was going to happen was that he was a full participant in practice, and that's a good sign for a player returning. Uh, so you think he plays? Now, maybe they give him a, a little bit more time here, but I wouldn't roll it out. When you're a full participant on a Thursday, yeah. that's a good sign. Also, On a uh, Thursday, Wednesday. Yes, Thursday, Wednesday. Well said. Cam Jurgens was a full participant. I don't quite know yet his, his, uh, his status, but that's a good sign. The DNP, Zach Cunningham, Landon Dickerson, Nicholas Morrow, Darius Slay, and Devontae Smith. So the Eagles have two, start, have two linebackers, <laughs> neither one of whom practiced. The like, curse of Christian? Yeah. So, so basically, well, I shouldn't say two linebackers. Um, they're, they're two starting linebackers. Uh, neither one practiced. So then Shaq Leonard and Ben Van Sumeren would be the uh, top linebackers unless there's a recovery from Morrow or Cunningham. So we'll pay, we'll pay close attention to the injury report today. Uh, Darius Slay still out with that knee injury. Landon Dickerson, we know about the thumb. Devontae Smith, knee injury here. My understanding is this occurred during the game on Monday night. This is He's been dealing with something in previous weeks. This might not be a lingering injury. This might be a new one. We'll monitor that as well. Uh, so, so that's the injury update. Now, what we talked about on the show yesterday. Well, very quickly, though, yeah. did you get to see practice yesterday? I did, yes. Who was at left guard? I was actually watching a different thing at that point, um, so I did not see the left guard thing. But my understanding was it was Steen. It was Steen, mm -hmm. not Sua. Okay, that's interesting. And um, that's the side that he w didn't, never played in training camp, right? Left guard. He never played left guard in training camp. Yeah. It was left tackle or right guard. Um, but he did play. You know, he's played on the left side. So right. it's interesting. Uh, and he came in for one play at left guard in this yes, last game. Yes. Yes. Yeah, so, but that uh, was with Sua already on the field. Right, right, yeah. right. Um, but uh, Patricia. Well, 
Wait, um, but Steen, but so, hold on one here. I I apologize here. Uh, anyways, so Matt Patricia, let's let's get to Patricia. We were curious how Patricia was going to be if he was going to be the Patriots version of Matt Patricia, or if he was going to be a new version. I shouldn't say uh, a new version, but a uh, if he was if he was going to be either warm and cuddly or um, humble, however you want to frame it. He certainly was 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 not arrogant. He certainly was. I told you. Yeah, he certainly did not. Um, he answered questions, I, actually, quite succinctly, probably more succinctly than he had to sometimes. Like he he like he went long. Uh, he so was less succinctly. Yes, less succinctly. I apologize. Uh, more expansively, he was. Um, he. He was friendly. He he was reflective. Uh, reflective. I thought his answers. Interesting uh, aesthetics. I thought not. Well, not the, what, the glasses down. Yeah, we were saying looked like I, a I, grandmother. He looked well. No, I think he looked like in Little Red Riding Hood, the wolf pretending to be the grandmother. Perfect. Is what it looked like. Yeah. Um, and I thought his answer to the sleigh situation was was interesting. He he did not downgrade it. Um, did not make it seem like there was nothing there. What he said is that he's Slay and him have have been great since he came to Philly. He said he gave Slay a big hug before the uh, press conference yesterday. That Slay has has um, has kind of helped him really in his adjustment, and he has helped Slay. And he said that uh, he's kind of evolved and grown since whatever happened in Detroit, and that that uh, people are never their perfect versions of themselves. Uh, I found that to be him taking responsibility for it. I thought he came across as likable, no yeah. doubt. Um, I actually thought that what was most interesting was the way that he was reflecting on the final drive, which obviously yes. he did not do a good job in, in, mm -hmm. in the uh, moment of calling those plays, but talking about some of the reasons behind why you know, maybe he called uh, the play he did to have Bradbury covering Jackson Smith and Jigbo on the game-winning touchdown, but it was not like... Um, he was not the defensiveness that you would get from Nick Sirianni right now. If, if anybody doth question anything he does on offense, it was like, you know, taking responsibility and also giving w without giving away the secrets, sort of explaining what, what his thought process was. Yes. Yeah. I, he, he had said on the previous play on that second down, they saw something there uh, <clears throat> that he didn't like. It made him change his, his decision on third down. And uh, he yeah. would like, he would have liked that one back. I thought he was talking about the first down, but it was cover four on first down. It was two man on second down, and then on that on that third down, it was cover one with um, with uh, Sidney Brown rotating down to cover the back. Um, I, I've heard some people say it was cover one robber. It wasn't. There were two there were two snaps to cover one robber on that on that drive. But that last play, I just think it's a weird usage of the safety, the high safety on third and ten to to scream down and cover cover the back. Um, yeah, especially uh, especially with a guy like Sidney Brown, who like if it's a more experienced player, it, like if if he is reading what's going on, maybe he comes off of that. But Sidney Brown's just going to be flying. Yeah, they really let the, the offense determine that, though. Sidney Brown's the left safety. Reed Blankenship's the right safety. Mm. And it's completely by formation who rotates and who goes up. So like just like, that's been the way it is all year. No, um, uh, no cover two buster. Oh, man. Two buster. <laughs> Would love to see a snap of two buster at some point. Um, well, uh, real quick, I, I just want to circle back. I, I don't feel comfortable saying the Steen thing at, at left guard. Yesterday was an abbreviated portion of practice that we were able to see. It was not a typical Thursday practice. Uh, and uh, I don't want to jump the gun on the Steen th on, on thing yet. That is something that I 
had heard, but it's not something that I'm ready to say, like Steen's the left guard this week. I think uh, uh, Bo's going to be at practice today. You'll get a better look at the offensive line alignment than uh, what they showed yesterday. And this will be the first game. Remember, Landon Dickerson was drafted with um, with – you know injury concerns and just a reminder yep. to everybody this is year three right and this is the first game that he's missing uh due to injury the only game he's missed was the the covid game when like the, the, mm. the whole team missed the game uh, okay although he does he is the uh the new jason peters and that he is bound <laughs> right, to miss right, like right. one snap yes. a game right relatively right. often right. uh and then jalen hurts yesterday this was his first time speaking since that commitment comment on um on monday night and he basically said, when he says we, he's talking about me. And he took, he took a lot of ownership yesterday, at least publicly. He said, all of it starts with me. That's something that I own. That's something I take responsibility in and never shied away from. I embrace that challenge. It's about when we go out there and do as a team. Uh, he, he said, uh, the last thing I want to do is leave the field and feel like I let my teammates down. I uh, feel like I didn't do enough for my teammates. That doesn't soothe me, so keep pressing on. Um, he, he said, uh, you know, I, I asked him about the turnovers. He explained, you know, some of them were unfortunate, some were unrhythmic, to use his word, ball security. But he basically said, I take ownership of all of it, starts with me, put it on me, we'll be fine. Also, that final interception, he said he was, he was trying to take a shot downfield. It didn't work on throwing to Gainwell. He said there's a lot of things he wishes he could have done differently. Uh, whether he saw Gainwell, he said, no, I didn't. So he did not see Gainwell on, on that play. Yeah, the, I think the Gainwell of that play is a red herring because the ball needs to come out quickly mm-hmm. on that play. That's part, of the, that's part of the deal. I think he should have been throwing to Devontae or – that sh- or more likely or better, that shouldn't have been the play call. Um, Insane play calling the entire drive. Uh, the the first two plays on the drive were both uh, the 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 play side on both of them were flat seven concepts. So both routes. So on the on the first down, you have uh, Dallas Goddard running a flat with AJ Brown running a seven route to the sideline. That's where the ball goes. Right. Why? why? Like why are you going you have to the, the sideline? Field. You have. 28 seconds and three and three timeouts and then the second play where he scrambled for 20 yards was also a flat seven concept with Kenny Gainwell running the flat and Dallas Goddard running the seven to the same side. No one the back side. There's like nothing because there were no receivers there. Yeah, there are no like like you know it's funny. I heard um, Shiel and and Sean Syed talk on on their podcast this week about how many times the Eagles ran this Hank play, which is like a ball route, a, a curl, and then a flat and. Actually, like on that last drive, would have been the perfect time to run plays like that. Like something where you're threatening the middle of the field and you know you're going to get some sort of soft coverage. Like, I mean, they ended up playing cover three buzz on all those plays where one of the safeties is buzzing down. But the Eagles were completing that, that ball route throughout the game. I mean, the Julio Jones fourth down, I mean, and that was a shorter distance. But they, they, they completed a, the 18-yarder to Dallas Goddard. In the first drive, and in the middle he, of the field, that was on Hank. Best all game long was when the when it was like a, a quicker <clears throat> drop, and the ball was coming out right on time. Exactly, wow. and there was no issue with pass protection the whole game. I mean, it was just yeah. I don't know. I I know there's going to be like a segment for the offense, but I know I, I still can't get over that final drive, and it's it, <laughs> it is just mad. We'll, we'll get to we'll get to the offense. Uh, yeah, I, th- I actually think the play calls on the first two plays are are less easy to defend than the than the one on the last play okay like like you know i think that the play to aj brown was designed to score a touchdown which it didn't it, it just wasn't executed in a way where it looked like it i think the design there was to get a touchdown or or i guess or pass interference as we've right. been told right um, but the first two plays just inexplicable that you don't have some sort of middle of field threatening Bizarre. routes there all right uh 
Why don't you tell us about AG1 first, yeah. Jack, and then we'll get to the defense. Yeah, my my wife's getting on me about my lack of sleep right now. Uh, and the reality is I, I need energy. Uh, it's, it's so important. And when you walk into these supplement stores or you know grocery stores whatever it may be you see this whole row of supplements and you're like which one should i take which one will give me energy which one will give me gut health which one will support immune and brain health and you know what ag1 does that all at once not only does ag1 deliver my daily dose of vitamins minerals pre and probiotics pre and probiotics and more but it's a it's a powerful healthy habit that's also powerfully simple it's just one scoop mixed in water once a day every day uh you know i'm i'm 37 years old okay i'm trying to have healthy aging here that's important i know i'm getting older because aging is a part of life we all have to deal with it and i don't think it should prevent me from doing the things that i love to do i want to do the things that matter to me as long as possible which is why ag1 every morning supports my brain gut and immune health all it takes is one scoop and i'm laying the groundwork for a healthier future. AG1 is the supplement I trust to provide the support my body needs daily, and that's why I'm excited to welcome them as a new partner. Here's your chance to start every day this season with a gift to yourself. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3K2 and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase exclusively at, <coughs> excuse me, drinkag1.com slash eagles. That's drinkag1.com slash eagles. Check it out. Uh, Zach Robin wants to know, is your wife getting on you about lack of sleep or about the fact that you get up at 4 a.m. like an animal? Lack of sleep. Um, she gets up early to go to the gym. Uh, Flex. Flex, uh, literally, I suppose. Um, but no, I, I, uh, I didn't get in at like 12:30 last night. Um, I guess she got up, and I was still up. I was reading uh, different things about the Eagles, and she was saying you need to go to sleep. I agree. And, um, I said I can't turn my brain off, and yeah, it turned into a whole. We gotta thing. get you, and we gotta get you some uh, medicinal help. Uh, but I, I, I can tell you everything <laughs> that was on the Eagles uh, last night at twelve thirty. So, shout everything out to, that was on the Eagles last night. What do you mean? Like all the stories about the Eagles last night. Shout out to EJ Smith. I read his Matt Patricia story last night. Shout out to Martin Frank. I read his piece. Um, so yeah, I was going through the. I mean, there's got to be diminishing returns here, my friend. <laughs> At some point, I didn't read the Ben Solak piece until this morning. That was a good one. I enjoyed that. All right. Well, uh, buying tickets to your favorite events shouldn't be stressful. Game time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, and comedy and theater near you with killer deals on last minute tickets and their best price guarantee. You can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for the fun you'll have. They've got flash deals and last minute tickets. Easy to find and buy tickets for every kind of event in your area. Images of seat views, lowest price guarantee, event cancellation protection, job loss protection, and more. It's the fastest growing ticketing app in the country for a reason. You get images of your seat before you buy so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. Buy tickets in a matter of seconds just... Two taps. And you're set. Tickets are sent directly to your phone, so you never have to dig through your email. Tickets make great holiday gifts. Snag the tickets without the stress with Game Time. If you want to go to the Eagles game on Christmas, download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code PHLY for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem with code PHLY for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price 
Guaranteed. Also, real quick, um, the reason I was up late last night is I was writing a column that you can find on allphly.com. We just had a quick discussion about Patricia yesterday. If you want to find out more about what he said and some kind of analysis on uh, his demeanor and what's ahead, you can check that out on allphly.com. All right, well, let's talk about the matchup that uh, is ahead of Matt Patricia uh, on Monday against uh, a very bad Giants offense, 31st in uh, DVOA on offense. They, uh, since having Tommy DeVito, Daniz, they have gone from like abjectly terrible to just very, very <laughs> bad. Three game win streak. Uh, three game win streak. They yeah. were uh, 32nd in EPA per drive before DeVito. Now they're 27th. They're still 31st in success rate uh, with and without him. He's just not turning the ball <coughs> over as much as they had before. Uh, not a lot of explosive plays, not a lot of uh, points per drive, but. Uh, they're also playing against a bad defense, so we'll see what happens. Yeah, second week in a row, we're going to have bad on bad um, on on those late downs. Eagles are now 32nd in success rate on late downs. Giants offense is 30th uh, on offense. And last week we talked about, is it going to be a get-right game for the Eagles or is it going to be a get-right game for the Seattle offense? Right. <laughs> Seattle converted four third and tens uh, in that game. Unbelievable. Yeah. Four of four, I believe. Uh on third and ten, yeah, maybe. I'm not sure. I'm, yeah, I mean, I obviously that, yeah. they were stopped on a bunch yeah, of third downs yes, too. Yes. But um, yeah, and uh, the the Giants' average uh, distance to go on third down last week was 10.7 yards. Last week, yeah, <laughs> against the Saints. So that would be a good formula uh, for most teams uh, to get off the field. But um, yeah, we'll see. What do you think about this matchup, Zach? I think that... Have you I'm, done your DeVito homework? He, well, I did too much DeVito homework when he was the quarterback at Syracuse. I mean, this is kind of like for Jets fans, uh, if Christian Hackenberg all of a sudden became like a <coughs> sensation somewhere else. Tommy DeVito was this big-time recruit out of Jersey, okay? Syracuse had, had just come off this, like, 10-win season in 2018, I believe it was. DeVito stepping into the starting role in 2019. Uh, and, like, he was fine, but they were horrible, uh, they were horrible with DeVito. He transfers to Illinois. He was fine, but... There's like, a difference between like a guy in college five years ago... No, I understand, but okay, it's just so odd for me to see like Tommy DeVito now as... Uh, I, I know that, that Giants market well. I know the Giants fan base well. This fits right into kind of uh, the Giants fan base. What do you mean by that? A local guy. I mean, a, a, a Jersey guy. Like that's... So Jersey... You're going to give me one of these? No, I'm not. I'm not even referencing that at all. What I'm saying, so Giants are more of a so, so Jersey's more Giants territory. Long Island's more Jets territory, right? So if you have a guy from Long Island, I feel like that 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 more hits the Jets fan base. If you have a guy from North, if you have a guy from North Jersey, um, you, you know that's that's like the Giants wheelhouse right there. So uh, this, and, and perhaps I'm saying that because I lived in North Jersey at the time, but I was surrounded by a lot of Giants fans. Shout out to Hoboken in uh, in in 2012. Shout out to Hoboken. They need that. Or, or, or 2010, 2011. All of Hoboken yeah. has been waiting for the Zach Berman shout out. I actually I, I I saw Julia in Hoboken back then, 2010, 2011. Okay, she was in the area. Um, but uh, so, anyways, what I think of this matchup? I've I've watched. Julia, do you remember that? I was covering the Giants. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, how dare, how yeah. dare you say? <laughs> Julia says, was it when you were working for the Giants? That Zach, Zach may. <laughs> how dare you? Um, <laughs> anyways, uh, so that's that's a non sequitur. Which, by the way, means she doesn't remember that very well. <laughs> uh, I'm not, I, I, I don't recall where you were working. I just remember, I remember getting dinner uh, in Hoboken. Yeah. 
Very memorable night. Yeah, apparently, <laughs> apparently not super memorable for Julia. It's been two years, a long time. Um, anyways, Zach's been Zach's been walking around since he since Julia started at PHLY, just thinking that they had this mutual memory of when they had dinner together in Hoboken. No, we went to high school together. We've known each other for a long time. Um, so, uh, meanwhile, she completely memory hold it. That's okay. Uh, the Giants match up here. Yeah, the Giants. I mean, this this offense is bad. They Joe Shane, um, who I like when they hired him. I thought he did a poor job constructing the wide receivers on this roster. They have a lot of slot guys. Um, they, they, they don't really have outside threats. They traded for Darren Waller. He's back now, but he's been in and out of the lineup. Um, Saquon Barkley is uh, he's their best threat, but even he hasn't been like as consistent as they need him to be. The offensive line, Evan Neal's not giving them what they were hoping for this year. Andrew Thomas is still like a, a top of the of the, of the league player, but uh, yeah, I, Neal's injured too. So yeah, this yeah. is a gate. I I think this is very much a get right game for the Eagles. Um, and uh, if 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 the Giants are scoring like high 20s, 30s against this Patricia defense this week, I'd be very, very concerned. I mean, the, the, the biggest part of the get right here has to be for the defensive line. Yes. Because that offense gives up a ton of sacks. This defensive line is very much under scrutiny right now, uh, given how little they have <clears throat> provided to the defense. And this is, should be an opportunity for them to, to get home. Well, now that Matt Patricia has installed Moro Ojimo as the third <laughs> and 10 uh, pass rush specialist, uh, you know, maybe we'll start seeing more. Uh, yeah, Tommy DeVito has been getting sacked on 18% of his <laughs> dropbacks, which is crazy. Um, and he's scrambling on, so that's the that's the league high. And then he, he's scrambling a uh, second highest in the league, 11% of the, of the dropbacks. So that's 30% of his dropbacks where he doesn't end up throwing Basically, the ball you know every third drop back yeah <laughs> yeah um yeah john Pugh was just absolutely terrible in the last game uh against the saints justin, but he's the, yeah. justin Pugh, sorry yeah. the, the no, last, another john Pugh's like a guy yeah. from Local uh, guy. Yeah, yeah john Pugh was yeah. like a like a guy um in, in high school that like that our team played against uh gotcha. got him confused with yeah justin Pugh is a local guy he's from council rock uh right and a, a, and, a, and a syracuse guy yep yeah, I think his arms. quote this week is that his gym teacher and, he, you know, he said the stands are going to be like his gym teacher and his friends from high school booing him. Yeah, it would be nice to see Jalen Carter have a good game against yes. him. That's probably who he's going to be lining up against. What are some of the other things that jumped out to you about Patricia's first game in charge? Yeah, it was. I mean, you know, it's it's really obviously it's hard to change a lot. Right. Um, when you're when you're taking over like that, um, one of the most obvious kind of personnel usage differences was how much big nickel. Uh, and big dime we saw. I mean, Sidney Brown was on the field as the third safety uh, for a lot of the snaps. I mean, most of the snaps in the game, there were only seven snaps of normal nickel the entire game. That had been the predominant, um, you know, uh, personnel grouping that the Eagles had been using all year. I read that more <coughs> as cover for being so down at linebacker mm -hmm. and not wanting to have both, you know, Morrow and Shaq Leonard on the field so much and right. having like Sidney Brown as the extra box player instead of the, the linebacker. And given the state of the linebacker position right now, with Morrow also injured, I would imagine we'll, we'll see a little bit more of that. But if Avante Maddox comes back, I'm curious how that all shuffles around. Yeah, it'll be really interesting, especially because of the way that Sidney Brown and Kevin Byard are used uh, on early downs when it was uh, in big nickel. 
you would have Sidney Brown in the box as the as the nickel uh, player, and then Bayard would be one of the high safeties. So Kevin Bayard is playing as the as the left safety. Reed Blankenship is the right safety with Brown in the box as the nickel on early downs. As soon as it got to late downs and it was big dime, Bayard and Brown stay on the field, but they switch roles. Mm-hmm. Like so, Sidney Brown becomes the high safety next to Blankenship, and Bayard becomes the tight end matchup if it's going to be uh, man. And he was the kind of the the, the nickel opposite. Um, Bradley Roby, who also came on the field on, on those plays. So that was different. Another big difference was uh, Eli Ricks was mm. used only as an outside corner. Right. He was rotating uh, yeah. basically every uh, two series or so with uh, with Keely Ringo. And um, it was also really, I, I mean, it was, it was sad in a way to see that even with Ringo and Ricks on the field the entire game, that Seattle was yeah. actively going after, uh, after James Bradbury. I mean, nine of the plays on that last drive yeah. uh, were attacking one side of the field, and seven of them uh, were, was at Bradbury's side, including now, the, the plays that, that worked. Now, I, I, and I mentioned this on the show yesterday, I did think Bradbury did a decent job on Metcalf in particular because he was following them on both sides <laughs> until that final drive. I just don't think they were throwing very much. Uh, oh, okay, I think fair. it was more yeah. about their offensive yeah, game plan. Yeah, Kenny yeah. Walker was, was running well. I, I, I hear you there. What did you guys think of, of Keely Ringo, though? I know you talked about it post-game. Yeah, um, I was excited by Ringo. I, I would like to see more Keely Ringo down the stretch. I mean, if, if the Eagles can uh, be the team they think they are and are able to take care of business these last three games with some relative ease, then, yeah, I want to see a lot of Keely Ringo, and I want to see Eli Ricks, too. Yeah, I, I said on yesterday's show that uh, like the guys who've been performing best are the older guys, and it, it and deals aren't developing there. They're younger guys. I, I need to give them credit for this one because when we saw Ringo in camp uh, and in the preseason, he looked lost at times, right? And I thought uh, you can see what these past three months have done for his game. Well, and you can just see the difference physically. In, with him and James Bradbury. Like, James Bradbury is probably in the right place most of the time. He's, like, one of the smartest guys yes. on defense. But it's just the way that they move. Sure. Like, it, it, there's a big difference right now. Yeah, you really saw it on that last drive. I mean, there was a wrap concept early in the in that drive where Metcalf breaks inside. It was in two-man coverage. And, and Bradbury has to know there that, I mean, he cannot give up that, yeah. you know, that inbreaker like that. And he just got cooked on that route. Was, and then, it, like, that, I think it, it was, was like a, it was like a, a basketball crossover on that one. It, yeah, it was really, it was bad. really yeah. bad. And then, and yet, but again, like, you know, something good about Bradbury, he completely read the, the, the tosser play where, where it was two slants and he he read that he undercut it and he almost intercepted it yeah. that crazy catch where, where yeah. it was yeah. like rolling around and that you know we could be talking about Bradbury as the hero you know jumping around yeah. with his savvy and all of that but that's just the way the but this bounces. goes back to Bo's point too and I, I I I know we don't need to belabor this because we have a lot on on this matchup <laughs> but I vividly remember doing the shows in March when they brought back Bradbury and Slay and the conversation and, and Bo was on on top of this like if you're going to be old be old on the line of scrimmage be old at quarterback, like don't be old at corner where your speed and your change of direction is so important. So when you talk about the way some of these younger guys move compared to Bradbury, like that's apparent on the perimeter. You don't want to be old at wide receiver, corner, and safety. I think safety you could get away with it a little bit. Okay. But but yeah. But certainly not corner. Yeah, yeah. not corner. Yeah. Um, and also a position where it's like unlike defensive line, you're not rotating. Yeah. Like those guys are just on the yep. field. Like it's, it's tough. 
Yeah, I mean, speaking of being old on the defensive line, I would have loved to see more Brandon Graham on that last drive. I mean, there are 10 snaps on that last drive, the first eight. Um, it was the, the standard four across. And he had a sack in the game. I know. And, 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 I mean, just rushing from the inside is something that he's been so good at throughout his career. So Jalen Carter and Fletcher Cox get tired at the end of that drive. Mm-hmm. Eight snaps in a row that they had to play. And so who do the Eagles bring in? They bring in Milton Williams and Moro Ojimo. Uh, Ojimo was brought in on a third and 10 as a standalone snap earlier in the game as well. He'd clearly been practicing this, this stunt that he did with Hassan Reddick on both of those snaps. Uh, just crazy usage to me. I mean, Brandon Graham did not play on the last uh, two and a half drives. He hadn't played since the third quarter. He, he was he was fresh and clearly could have come in there as, a, as an interior rusher on that. Uh, I would have had him in maybe the entire drive. I mean, you know, like like as, as one of my main options and definitely over Moro Ojimo. And there was no pressure on the quarterback and it's, on that is, entire drive. This is not a, a new thing to say, but it is just worth noting. Jordan Davis... Last year's no, first round pick, yeah. nowhere to be seen when you need pass rush. It's, it's not ideal. And, uh, and, and not to kind of be simplistic here, but if there's anyone, anyone uh, on that coaching staff who would know what Brandon Graham can do as an interior pass rusher, go. it would be Matt Patricia. Uh, all right, Zach, why don't you tell us, uh, you know, I would say that that anecdote you just mm-hmm. gave us, given uh, the book you wrote, was in your <laughs> wheelhouse. I like that. Uh, yeah. Um, and real quick question for you, Denise. Uh if you could, if there was a favorite player you had in any sport when you Ooh. were a kid, who would it be? Mo Cheeks. Mo Cheeks. Okay. So just imagine the joy you would have if you had a Mo Cheeks card. What would you think about that? That would be awesome. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. At, at that age, I'm, I'm saying, well, that's the joy that you. <laughs> That's the joy that you get when you go to Wheelhouse. I feel like if you're doing you can that, tell we you got to produce We rehearsed this before the show. Yeah, be like yeah, a no, because like, Wheelhouse You can't just is, say, hey, yeah. what if I had that? What would you think about that? <laughs> well, that'd be so exciting, right? And I'm saying this is the time of year, right, not to, not to be sappy, but like uh, when, I, when my son gets, gets a gift or my daughter gets a gift, the great part is like seeing how happy they are, right? And where can you get the happiness is wheelhouse cards because it is the go-to sports card gift and apparel shop in the Delaware Valley. Their motto, cards and community because love of sports unites us all. They carry all of your favorite card brands like Topps Chrome Baseball and Mosaic Football as well as t-shirts, hats, and hoodies from brands like Mitchell & Ness, 47 Brand, Junk Food, Starter, and Shibe. Vintage Sports, my personal favorite. Looking to grade your sports card collection, Wheelhouse offers PSA grading submissions. They also host tons of different family-friendly events and birthday parties every month. Stop into either of their stores, Wayne or Westchester. If you go to their Wayne one, you might bump into me. Open seven days per week at 11 a.m. Use code PHLY. Get $10 off any purchase at $25 uh, or more in store. Also, do what I did and follow them on Instagram at Wheelhouse Cards. Who is your answer for that, Zach? Uh, well, Eric Snow was my favorite basketball player growing up. Um, and, uh, I had, I mean, I have a, uh, I had a good friend. I have a good friend, uh, who, uh, had a, a strong connection to the Sixers back then okay. and actually gave me once, um, an Eric Snow signed basketball. Right. And, uh, I, I w- and the joke was like, everyone is always asking him for like Iverson or Montumbo. Right. I was the only one who wanted Eric Snow. Our- uh, our age difference is really showing there with the with the Eric Snow. a little bit later in your childhood, right? That yeah, been that more, was more like middle school, yeah. high school. Yeah, Eric Eric Snow. Um, when I was much younger, um, I mean, I, I feel 
I, I, I don't want to say something wrong. Is going to be O.J. Simpson again? Or? <laughs> Lenny Dykstra. Okay. I, I, like, oh, yeah. I, I like Lenny Dykstra. Matter of fact, you know, I played the outfield, and I used to you know, pop my cheek out thinking that I was Lenny Dykstra. <laughs> Not with gum. Just do it. You would just... just I, I had nothing in there. Okay. <laughs> well, yeah. Right, and no, actually, okay. uh, one of the best compliments I, I, I ever heard was of our high school baseball coach. Um, <laughs> one of our assistant coaches was uh, a former... He was actually an all-star in 1995, Tyler Green. And... He said one time, and I'm, I'm not exaggerating, he, he said when I was playing out there, he said, I reminded him of Lenny Dykstra. And to me, it was like, <laughs> I, I mean, I could have gone All, all that he meant by that is <clears throat> this kid is certifiably insane. <laughs> Maybe he meant that, yeah. but I, I, he, no, he meant because probably I spent so much time watching Lenny Dykstra that when I was out there in center field, like I was mimicking Lenny Dykstra. <laughs> so he said, I, I reminded him of Lenny Dykstra. And, and you got to, like, I would only get in the games when, when, when we were up, like, double digits in the uh, late in the game, which actually flex happened pretty often, right? We were often up double digits. Um, but, uh, yeah, he said that once uh, that I reminded him of Lenny Dykstra, and uh, I never forgot that. Okay. And you've lived, you've lived the rest of your life trying to... Uh Repeat that sentence. Yes, yes, in uh, 1986, I was out uh, with my... Uh, so I was eight years old, and mm-hmm. I was out with my family, parents, and some, some other friends in at an Italian place in Old City, and Mo Cheeks was having dinner with his girlfriend, wife, I don't, I'm not sure. And, don't um, get Mo Cheeks in trouble. Someone, someone in our group like grabbed me by the arm, knew how yeah. much I loved Mo Cheeks, and was like, I'm going to introduce you to Mo Cheeks. And, and we just, I mean, in hindsight, yeah. we probably shouldn't have done this, but like just rudely interrupted his, mm. his dinner. And uh, I still have a framed autograph from him. And uh, it says, uh, to Dennis, best wishes and good luck. Signed, Mo Cheeks, number 10. That's awesome. Yeah, so good. So good. Wow. And, and then wow. real quick, the basketball answer to that, of course, Jalen Rose, Chris Weber. Yeah, uh, mm. uh, Juwan Howard, Ray Jackson, Jimmy King. Of course. Rob Plink off the bench, Dane, you know, you know, Dugan Fife. I can go on down the list, but the Fab okay. Five. All right. Uh, let's talk about the offense, Dennis, because uh, as much as, like, as ugly as the defense has been and uh, as bad as they were in that final drive, I think fairly the criticism this week is, is more pointed on the offense, uh, only putting up 17 points against a pretty underwhelming Seahawks defense, some of the passing concepts, the stuff we were talking about at the end of the game. Uh, where would you like to start? You want to talk about the, uh, the RPOs? Well, uh, maybe we can just start by talking about how bad a game Monday was in terms of, like, the offensive staff and, and, and the quarterback. Like, just, just looking at those, you know, like, it's been, it's been this discussion all week. Like, is the problem the coaching? Is the problem the quarterback? Is it something else? And this is, to me, why I, I really think that this is, it, it is so bad and so alarming because... They were coming off those two losses. It was, and they, right. they, this was not a short week. They had an extra, they had an extra day. Yeah. All the stuff that was going on behind the scenes on defense, okay, let's get the offense right. This is the week to put in our good stuff, to mm. go out and prove who we are, and this is what they came out with. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the ingredients in this game. So the opposing defense was very bad um, coming in, 26 in DVOA or whatever it was. They didn't do anything interesting schematically the entire game. And they dropped eight once and blitzed. Three times, maybe. Mm. Every, every other play was like a standard four-man rush, cover three, cover four, whatever. Uh, the run game was working great 
I mean, this was one of the best uh, running uh, game performances that we've seen all year. The Eagles continue spammed the inside inside zone fold play where Kelsey is pulling around. So uh, they ran that play six times. I'll read the number of yards they got on it. Eight, 11, two, nine, six, eight. That's wow. consistently very good. They also had this insert lead play that they hadn't used before where the tight end is, is the lead blocker going through the B gap. They ran that four times, five, five, four, and five. These are good numbers on early downs. So the run game was working. The pass protection was basically perfect. You had uh, zero quarterback hits the entire game. I don't know if anyone realizes this. Mm-hmm. Like, not only that, but there weren't really plays where Jalen had to, you know, like uh, like escape right. pressure or whatever. He got his foot stepped on by Jordan Mailata one time. That was the only time he was touched by anybody uh, during the game uh, the entire time. So to have all these things in your favor and to have 10 drives in the game, this wasn't one of those games right. where there were only seven drives or whatever, 10 drives in the game, three of them are in two-minute drill, which... Two-minute drives score more points on average than regular drives. So you've got seven normal drives and three two-minute drives, and you come away with 17 points. I mean, that is is awful. And it's like, what is it? Is it the scheme? Is it the quarterback? Unfortunately, it was a little bit of both, right? You had bad reads by Jalen. There's the play that everyone is, you know, retweeting where Devontae uh, Smith is running the the open crosser. It was a rare time when the Eagles actually used motion in a way that did something. Quez Watkins runs motion. It confuses the nickel. 23, he's he's chasing the motion. And then he realizes, wait a second, I have Devontae Smith in man coverage here. Devontae Smith is wide open. And Jalen throws the out and up to A.J. Brown. That's a lot of steps on him play, right? That is the step. Yeah. So that throw was really short because he got got stepped on. That's a pass to the left sideline? Yes. Yes. In third quarter. I thought that was a a wrong decision. There was an RPO slant flat earlier in the game where Dallas Goddard is running the flat and the edge rusher is the conflict defender and he just kind of forgets about Dallas Goddard. If he throws that thing to Dallas Goddard, it's probably a touchdown. Um, instead, he throws the slant. Like, just things like that where he's, he's making the wrong read. And you're going to say, okay, every quarterback does that. And then you have the calls, right? So there's the, 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 the McCaffrey play, right? The Christian McCaffrey play where he called mm-hmm. that it was going to be quarterback draw. Mm-hmm. That's crazy to me. First of all, it was, it was a slightly different pl- kind of play. I know you mentioned this on the, on the show yesterday. Right. It, was a, it was a different kind of formation. Right. Just because it's Sirianni made a big a deal out of that. He's like, play. McCaffrey's a football genius, if you realize Damn. that, because we, we had never... We've never run that play out of that yeah. formation. Like, like, okay. The real question Guess is, what? why are you running on third and six in the red zone, right? And so, like, this is, this is happening over and over again where you're going from third and six to, to fourth and four on that play it wasn't exactly uh successful what about after the false start the the um jason kelsey false start on the quarterback sneak it makes it third and what like five and a half or whatever right from the eight yard line and they run a standard inside zone run it wasn't an rpo or anything it was just a regular straight up inside zone run and what's your explanation for that I mean, the, like, I do not have an explanation okay. for this, and, and I decided to uh, do a dive on this, okay? And I looked up the following the classic, things. Dive, you, guys yeah. were talking, you guys were talking to, to Devon about the great show with Devon yesterday, by the way. He's awesome. Um, great. Awesome. You guys were talking about the, the red zone runs, and, Bo, you were talking about how the offense seems to be searching for the... Right, trying yeah, to get right, to the right, sneak, right? right. Like they're and not trying to get first downs. They're trying to get to the sneak. Yeah, so th- so this is what I looked at. I looked at runs on expected pass downs inside the 10-yard line. Okay, so this is second and five plus, and then third and fourth down and three plus. So in 2022, they ran 57% of the time on this, which was one of the highest in the league. But the runs were successful. They were yeah. successful on 52% of the runs, 38% of the passes in that situation. This year... That number is up to 67% of the time. They run in those situations. These are situations where some teams right. in the league wouldn't even think about running right. the ball. 
And you're going to say, well, they have the, the quarterback average, the element. The pass rate must be like 65% or something it, like that. At least. Right. And so this is, they're, they're, they're running the ball. They ran, they've run the ball 16 times in that situation. Only been successful on four of them. So this year, they're not working either. Right. And when you look at it in more detail, this year on third and fourth down with three plus yards to go, They've run it nine times and only passed four times. And the craziest one is when you do third and eight or more to go from inside the 10-yard line, they've had four situations, and they've run it on all four of them. <laughs> they haven't passed the ball in a single one of those situations. So, Zach, you were saying, like, you didn't think this was, like, a big part of the of – the problems on offense i think it's i think it's really weird i mean it's just this weird thing where like the the part of the playbook that has pass plays right. for third down and goal from like the eight nine or ten yard line like like someone's dog like ate that page or something i mean it's like insane to me that they keep running on this and i've been tweeting about this all year this isn't like just you know like like early in the season like this was a pattern that kenny gainwell run that like you guys asked sirianni yes. about it's just been happening over and over again, and it's so weird to me that like the, the quarterback sneak is this like thing you're trying to get to. It is. I mean, they are treating him like a rookie running quarterback who doesn't have any weapons. This is the guy you just paid all this right. money to. You have AJ Brown and Devonte Smith and Dallas Goddard. <clears throat> these guys who you are who you are forcing to win one on one all the time just on their own merits, and you don't trust them to do that where right. it matters the most. It's bizarre. Right. Yeah. So I, I have I have two comments here. First being. Uh, that they were successful at this earlier this year, and they seemed to cling to this one play when they were able to get, like, a chunk play on a third and long which run. Is, which is a very Sirianni thing. Yeah. Like, this thing has worked once before. Yeah, he's so like, yeah, you guys yeah. weren't asking me about this. I forget which. It might have been the Minnesota game uh, or the Los Angeles game. It was earlier this year. Um, and it is a very Sirianni thing to be like. You oh, guys like were, a draw that worked or yes, something? Yes, exactly. Yeah, but I mean, come on. He's like, you guys right. weren't asking me when, you know, when we gained a lot, a lot of yards on this. The second and thing is. And very quickly, I will just just to give this super oh, chat yes. shout out to, uh, to Rich Bobby, who says, thank you, Bo and Zach. Love Devon and Handsome Rich this week. Dana is forever. A happy and healthy 2024 for us all. It's great awesome. to see Rich at Reading Terminal on Tuesday. Love Rich Bobby. Go ahead. Yeah, thank you to Rich, too. The most rewarding part of this job is the loyal audience that we have. So I'm, I'm very grateful. For you and all the others, Rich. Uh, so the second part is it's kind of ironic that this fan base is clamoring for the Eagles to run the ball, and they defend the fact that they don't run the ball, except in the situations when they shouldn't run the ball is when they decide to run the ball. It's um, Yeah, there is kind of like this, this oddity to that. Right. Yeah, third and medium and long for the league, like PFF has the stat where, you know, like run rate above expectation or whatever, the Eagles are plus 13%. No other team is, is higher than like plus 6% or something. I mean, the Eagles are like the only team in the league that, yeah. that runs the ball um, in those situations. And I always watch the uh, defensive coordinator's uh, presser from the other team every week. It's always Good interesting for you. to watch I was other say teams. Maybe the most Zach Berman thing. About yeah. yeah, well, you know, you got you to gotta, gotta get ready for the opponent. Um, and... Almost every defense coordinator talks about how hard it is to prepare for the Eagles because they're a 50-50 run in those situations. And I was like, why is that, why is that hard? That's great. They're giving you a gift. Instead of having to cover A.J. Brown or Dallas Goddard in the red zone, all you have to do is, is stop a run on third and eight. I mean, yeah, so all four of those runs, by the way, um, were unsuccessful this year. I, I, I am not to have an aside here, but I, I am fascinated by the difference in the way Professor Selman and I consume information. We talked about this a few weeks ago. Um, I much prefer reading a transcript. 
Like, if, if oh, you give me a long transcript, I will read that. Professor Shulman likes to oh, watch the I think video. it's much more interesting. I mean, it, it, this, is a, this, yeah. is a, this is a time thing, obviously. Yeah. If you're going to squeeze in as much as you can, yes. give me the transcript. But I think you're going to learn much more from watching. Oh, times, for sure. Yeah. But times, I'm, like, I'm, I'm, I'm a reader. To speed, yeah. Volume, yeah. Times to speed while doing okay. dishes. Uh, defense yeah. coordinator presser yeah. is like a, like a Thursday night standard uh, activity. No, but, but we were talking about, like... Uh, about reading content versus watching content. And I'm, I, I'm still like, I still read all the clips and, and that kind of thing, but I'm not, mm-hmm. I, I should probably listen to the opposing team's podcast more often. There you go. Um, what is also sort of connected here is we, we can talk about the CPOE chart because, yep. you know, they're sort of relying on Jalen to make difficult throws in other areas of the field, right? Like right. low expectation completion throws elsewhere, but they just won't do it where it's, where it's condensed. Yeah, yeah, exa- exactly, and and yeah, it's just it's 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 weird to me. And if the you other want to pull up the uh, that that one that one tweet chart, the CPOE. Yeah, so like one of the things I think a play that would be a good play to kind of introduce this chart. So this chart is um, expected completion percentage on the on the horizontal axis, and then the c- completion percentage over expectation on the vertical. And Jalen Hurts is all by himself up there to the upper left. Uh, Tommy Cutlets is <laughs> all by himself to yeah. the bottom right, by yeah, the way. It's like a contrast. Uh, so one of the quarterbacks is, is only trying really easy throws right. and making them very poorly. That's DeVito. Well, yeah, I mean, those, those uh, are the two, you know. <laughs> the two as, as Greg Cosell said this week, if Tommy DeVito, if you didn't know who he was, he would look just like Patrick Mahomes. Exactly. Him and Mahomes are just in a class <laughs> by themselves. Did you say that? Um, and yeah, he didn't say that. Exactly. So oh, okay. that it's the disturbing thing about this, and we talked about this last week as well, is that Jalen Hurts is attempting such low, low percentage yes. uh, passes. And I thought that there was a play in this game that was a really good example of the Eagles trying to scheme an easy throw that didn't work. So if we follow the pattern of the Eagles, like in these RPOs, 2021 was the year of the curl flat RPO. It was like this inside zone run with a curl flat on the backside. 2022 was the year of the slide corner RPO. Yes. And 2023 is like, you know, it's like, like, what's the new thing? We're still trying the slide corner. And yeah, it's not really working. It's, like, it's yeah, like, yeah. we added a wheel to it and kind of imitated the Dolphins and, and whatever. Teams are all over this. I mean, all over this. I know Fran and Greg Cosell were talking about this earlier this week. Were we allowed to talk about Greg Cosell on this? On I the just show? said it. I just mentioned that. Oh, okay, yeah, sorry. Um, we talk about pull, anybody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, sorry about that. Sorry. <laughs> That's not a pull to Zach. Come on. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, I, I need to be a better listener. I'm and not the a good... more. The more you're here, the more you two just sort of morph into uh, one another. Yeah, yeah. I'd, I'd be happy to... Wait to, till the playoffs. I, I want Professor Shelman's intelligence to rub off on me. No, yeah. you, you, you flatter me, Zach. But, um, I spent too much time with Bo, so... <laughs> so... Um, there was a play in this game where they where they run that that slide the the, the RPO slide and it's supposed to go to uh, AJ Brown in the flat and the nickel is just all over it like the nickel just completely leaves his guy and goes to to slide and and he, and he covers that and the ball ends up going to Devontae Smith. This is the play where Jalen is like sprinting to his right mm-hmm. and he like squeezes it in a tight window and Devontae Smith makes like this awesome catch, which by the way, almost gets beheaded by the corner who right. Quez Watkins is <laughs> yeah, supposed to like, be clearing yeah, out. Yeah. Quez Watkins is just doing like, 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 high, like high step jogging for some reason over there. Um, dis- it, disaster. It is, it is wild how many snaps Quez played in that game and to just watch oh. how little he is bringing to the, like little effort he's bringing to the table. Like, not even doing the things he's supposed to, like, the very low effort thing. It's awful. I think the lack of effort is really putting him in, in Jalen Rager territory now. Like, like, uh, like Rager, when people were, were criticizing yes. Rager for dropping the ball, 
I was like, I'm criticizing him for like not blocking and like like just not doing like the basic things that he's supposed to be doing, just low effort. And teams are actively ignoring Quest. Hmm. So Sirianni says it changes the shape of the defense. I mean, there were at least three plays in this game where Quest is the outside receiver and either AJ or Devontae's on the inside. And from the very beginning of the snap, the outside corner just completely leaves Quez <laughs> and basically double teams the the better player there. And so if if he's just gonna be ignored, yeah. Like, like, how is he? How is he doing? How is he helping anything? And, and then we saw what happened, yeah. obviously, when they actually threw it yeah. to him. So, and, and this also goes back to something Bo brought up during the offseason. The Eagles didn't address that number three receiver spot. I think this is a huge and mistake. Like, if if that if they draft Jalen Hyatt, who, by the way, the Eagles are going to see on the other sideline this week, and he was in your shadow draft for right. the Eagles. If they draft Jalen Hyatt in the third round, let's say, or that would have been yeah, that was the third in, round. In, in the in the third round, then the if you 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 have kind of a wide receiver three to develop. Now, Quez right. in year four is, is what he is. Uh, Julio, they signed. Even though I keep saying Julio is coming, he's yeah, I'm gonna choose my words carefully here. He is uh, <laughs> ejaculating. He, he, no, he is. <laughs> Man. He's, he's, he's not no being nuance anymore. And uh, <laughs> Alamdi Zacchaeus is is a uh, he he has two plays this year, and I like you know I, I like Zacchaeus, but there's a reason why I think they're playing Julio and Quez over him. So you never see any effort issues with him though. Yeah. No, never. And so it's 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 he, crazy. he should be the one who is he's getting a Philly the guy. Those snaps. But I'm saying, but, but and but, and he's a Philly guy. But That's that could have been solved, or I, I, at least uh, look different. If if they did add a wide receiver, well, that is a good uh, segue. Very quickly, just to close the book, the the CPOA thing you were bringing up was the reason you were talking about that play is because that was supposed to be an easy play, and even the easy plays are difficult. Exactly, and 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 also this this offense, big difference from last year. Just there's just no yak at all. I Mm. mean, like last year, the Eagles were fifth in yards before catch per completion. And sixth in yards after catch per completion. So fifth and sixth. So they were good at both. This year, still sixth in yards before catch, all the way down to 25th in yards after catch. So this is like a, you know, looking for differences between last year's team and this year's team. Yards after catch, they're getting, they were getting 5.8 yards per uh, after catch last year, 4.8 this year, a full yard less. And a lot of it is because of those, you know, the, the, those plays like Hank, where it's just like stop routes or, or curl routes, that kind of thing, that aren't designed to get yak. And you look at the, the you know, the the best offenses in the league, um, and right. and they they, right. they major in yak. This is Dallas Goddard's numbers are down, all that stuff. But right. anyway, the the uh, the reason, in my estimation, that the Eagles did not prioritize adding another wide receiving weapon. And it, it didn't have to be a third round pick. It sure. could have been a, you know, a day three pick, just some guy to add to the mix, somebody with young legs, is because I believe they are extremely concerned about the dynamics between A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith, keeping both of those guys happy, getting everybody the targets that they need. And as you were ready <laughs> and to Dallas point Goddard out, there too. Yeah, sure. Yeah. The disparity between, like the the split between those two guys, is much different this year than it was last year. Yeah, and then this has kind of happened quietly in a way that I hadn't realized it was this dramatic. But last year, AJ Brown was targeted on 24% of his routes, and Devonte Smith was targeted on 22% of his routes. So almost the same percentage. Sure. Uh, very similar number of targets: 145, 136. Devonte Smith had more catches last year. If you recall, his yeah. 95 catches last year actually broke the record for Eagles wide receiver in catches for a season. AJ Brown is at 95 now, so he's going to break that record uh, on Monday. But um, this year, so so again, last year. It was 24% for AJ, 22% for Devontae. This is targets per route run. This year, AJ's up to 27. 
Devontae's all the way down to 13. That's bad. So A.J. Brown is getting targeted on 27% yeah. of his routes. Devontae Smith on 13%. Devontae's run 30 more routes than A.J. Neither of these guys has missed any time. They, 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 they all played every game both years. So these numbers are not skewed by anything like that. Um, and it's got to be frustrating for, for Devontae Smith, especially he's, on plays where he's running wide open for a first down right. and the ball is going over his head and, and incomplete. He's too good a player, too consistent a player for, for that number to be the way it is. I, uh, I'm glad you brought that up. I, I, I wasn't aware of that number before you brought that up, and that's, uh, that's, that's, that's a, that is, is one of the, the more damning indictments of, of this offense because you can't be maximizing your best players if Devontae Smith is only being targeted on 13% of his routes. Right, exactly. And then, and then one last thing on this is the motion. I know we've, we've talked about this a lot, but I have some interesting numbers here on that. The Eagles have 29 targets all year uh, to receivers who were in motion. Uh, the, the league average is, is 62. And then I looked, at, I looked at the top six players in the league in receiving yards. Like, okay. I didn't want to cherry pick, like, the ones who were getting sure. yards in motion. Just, this is just the top six guys. So Tyreek Hill, A.J. Brown, C.D. Lamb, Keenan Allen, uh, Amon Ross St. Brown and Puka Nakua. Those are the six guys leading the league in, in receiving yards coming into this week. And the percentage of their yards that come from motion is really funny. So Tyreek Hill, 280 yards from motion this year. That's 18% of his total. Okay. Uh, CeeDee Lamb, um, 173, 13% of his total. Keenan which, Allen. Which is not even a, an offense you think of. Like, this is a Mike McCarthy offense. Sure. It's not like, he's not a Shanahan disciple. Right, right? and, and like, Lamb isn't their normal motion guy is, right. the other, is the other part of that. Keenan Allen, 446 yards from motion this year. That's 36% of his total. Uh, Amon Ross St. Brown, 230 yards from motion, 20% of his total. Puka Nakua, 199 yards. This isn't counting last night when he had a bunch more. Uh, 17% of his total. A.J. Brown, this year, in motion. Two catches on five targets <laughs> for 16 yards. Mm. That's 1% of his 1,314 yes. yards total. So, and it's not like, you know, Devontae Smith has 46 yards for motion, right? So it's, right. it's not like, like some other guy is, is, right. is doing the motion stuff. So we know the Eagles are 32nd in motion and all of that. But when you watch Puka Nakua make some of those catches in that game last night, clearly the motion is the thing that's getting him open. And the fact that that's just not being incorporated makes me think that we're going to have another um, one of these things where in the offseason they're yes. going to bring in like a, like a motion doctor yeah. motion, uh, to try to fix the motion yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> motion skango. I just got that. Rich Skangaro. Yes. Who, uh, yes. All right. Let's, uh, let's get to Goose Wisely, uh, and then we can talk some playoff scenarios uh, after that or maybe within that uh, if we get there. Uh, Zach, you are down two. I believe it's seven to five on the season. So time for you to run the table to uh, catch up before Well, there is the a playoffs. playoffs. There's the playoffs. Yeah. But, yeah. I mean, you know, it's um, regular season is what matters. Who goes first this week? I can go first if you want. Yeah, let's do it. Uh, first one, there is a, it, this game is on being played on December 25th. There is a non-kickoff play run from the 25-yard line, okay? Um, and so this is not going to include, like, if you throw an incomplete pass after, after a touchback, that doesn't count. It's got to yeah. be a, within the flow of the game, there's a play on either 25-yard line or the Giants punt at least six times. I wish I had the data to show how often the Giants punt six plus times. Uh, I'm well, going. They are th they're thirty-first in the league at avoiding punts. They punt fifty-one percent of the drives. Okay, and you're probably getting ten to twelve drives a game, right? So, uh, you know what? I'm going to go with the non-kickoff play run from the twenty-five yard line. Okay. Because right even pick. if the Eagles have a lead here, you know I think the Eagles are going to have a lead here, and the Giants might have to go for fourth downs. 
Eagles only force punts on 35% of drives. They're 25th. Okay. It's good. I can always count on you with the numbers. I like that. Um, okay. Tommy DeVito rushes for more yards than Jalen Hurts, or Sidney Brown plays a higher percentage of snaps than Dallas Goddard receiving yards? Uh, ooh. Good one. Now, DeVito, they, they lean heavily into DeVito. Uh, the, the Eagles should not need to run Jalen Hurts much in this game. But I also think, I think, I think both of these are likely. I would, I would uh, if, 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 these, if this was a classic Zach and it was this happens or it yes. doesn't happen, I would take both of these to happen. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to go with, uh, which is a higher percentage of happening. I'm going to say, I'm going to say that, I'm going to say the Sidney Brown one. I think, I think Sidney Brown is a part of the defense now. Played right. 79% of the snaps yeah. last week, but if Avante Maddox is playing, right. do the Eagles play more regular nickel and less um, big nickel? And also the Giants are very high, uh, 11 personnel team. I, I think they can play big dime, honestly, and have Sidney Brown as a quasi-linebacker. I can see that. All right. Uh, for you, Zach, I have uh, Devontae Smith has either 100 yards receiving or at least two touchdowns. So he's got a big, yeah. it's a big Devontae Smith game. Or Olamide Zacchaeus catches a pass. I always like picking Devontae Smith, especially when they're going up against Giants and Brian Dable, um, who was his former offensive coordinator at Alabama. But uh, the threshold for OZ catching a pass is pretty low here. Like the threshold for me hitting this one. So I'm going to go OZ catches a pass. Okay. Played five snaps last week. He did, and I think that's something that they can look at. Yeah. Uh, here you go. This is, uh, this is two guys that I've uh, defended on this show. Josh Sweat has a sack, or Julio Jones has greater than 10 yards receiving. <laughs> Equally impactful in the game. The standard for Julio coming has gone from 60 yards to 10 yards. Yes. And it has to be greater than. If he hits 10, it's not sufficient enough. I'm going with Josh Sweat has a sack. Has really? A sack. Yeah. <laughs> Wow, okay. I mean, Julio Jones had his second best game as an Eagle last week. He had one catch, and it was for like eight yards. Okay, I mean, okay. Well, so you don't even think he hits – you only think he gets to 11, which is – Now, a, this is a full a, sack for Sweat? Full we, sack. we got to clarify. Yeah, half a sack doesn't do anything. Okay. Going against their best offensive lineman in and Andrew yeah. Thomas. I'm still taking Josh Sweat. Josh Sweat will tell you he's sick of effing almost. He, mm-hmm. he wants uh, – yeah, almost doesn't do him any good anymore. <laughs> Sorry for almost. Yeah. Uh, all right. <laughs> The broadcast, Zach, <laughs> mentions snowballs and Santa Claus. Okay. Oh. Or there was a shot during the game of either DeVito's parents or his agent wearing a Santa hat in the stands. It's not Greg Olson, right? It's like the, like the moose. I can tell you right no, now. I think it's moose. It is Joe Davis, Daryl Johnston, yeah. with Pam Oliver on the sideline. And moose is, moose is likely to do some Christmas nonsense. <clears throat> well, Claus so nonsense. here's the thing. It's not going to snow. On, on Monday, right? So the snowballs, now maybe you can bring that up as a Christmas memory. There will be people dressed as Santa for sure, though. There w- good point. I don't think DeVito's parents or Sean Stiletto will be wearing a Santa hat. Um, so I'm going to go with the broadcast and mentioning <clears throat> the snowballs. Okay. But I don't feel strongly about either one of those. I feel like, his, I feel like DeVito's dad's going to wear a Santa hat. But... <laughs> I just, I just, I, what about I, his agent? I feel that. Yeah. Does his no, agent have like gonna, a Santa version he's gonna of wear, his, He's uh, going to be dressed like Dominic the Donkey. Hmm. Brian Brayman's former agent, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> Red Cross Tucker's hometown. 
<laughs> okay, Saquon Barkley has the most total yards in the game. So either team. From scrimmage? Or, yes. Or Boston Scott scores a touchdown. Ooh. The Giants kill or Boston Scott. Ooh, good one. Just as a bit, Boston yeah, Scott's yeah. going to get the ball in the red zone. Uh, Nick seems to lean in those. Nick is in on this There's bit. no yeah. way. Yeah. Yeah. I, was, I, I was on uh, Giants radio yesterday. He comes in for the touch and push. And I got a Brian, I got a Boston Scott question. And I was like, far be it for me to give Joe Shane any advice, but he was a free agent this offseason. Giants could have signed him. <laughs> I'm going to go with the Boston Scott one. Okay. Uh, I think, I mean, obviously they're going to give the ball to Saquon a lot, but the fact that it, I, you know, a receiver could top this production, uh, and I think the, the Eagles' whole defensive game plan is going to be about stopping Saquon. So, uh, All right, last one for you, Zach. The Eagles score on a possession that starts with under one minute left in either the first okay. half or the end of the so game. Two minute offense. So, you know, what we yep. saw them not be able to do last week. Or the Eagles throw a pass <laughs> on third down in the red zone. Eagles throw a pass on third down in the red zone. I feel, I, I understand the uh, humor behind the question, but uh, I'm going with Eagles throw a pass. And that's going to be my golden goose as well. Okay. Um, this one is a shout out to the professor sitting here and real quick, make sure you are following him on Twitter at Deniz underscore Selman, uh, because he's giving, that is not my Twitter. Uh, (laughs) Oh, sorry. I don't know what that is, but don't follow that. Uh, no, No, it's okay. It is D E N I Z. That's right. Deniz. S E L M A N three, three. Yes. Yes. Deniz underscore Selman. I'm sorry. Deniz Selman. just going to keep saying that. You can follow Bo at Bo underscore wolf. I apologize. Apologize for that. I was conflating the two. Yes. Um, There you go. Thank you, Julia. Awesome job putting that in the chat. Uh, But for our audio listeners, Denise Selman, 33. Yeah, I will be Uh humble about most things involving, like, you know, like knowing about, you know, like what I'm talking about on here. But I am not humble about playoff scenarios. Mm. Do not follow Mm. anyone else for playoff scenarios. Come to me if you have any questions about playoff scenarios in either conference. Exactly. And so, and I know we're going to get into it. So this is a good transition, too, because the final one here is the Eagles win and the Cowboys lose or the Eagles win and the 49ers lose. Mm. The Cowboys are playing the Dolphins uh, and Mike McDaniel said that if any reporter asks them about any game about anything other than the Cowboys they can respectfully say to F off. Okay. Uh, And the 49ers are playing the Ravens in what is being billed as a uh, Super Bowl preview. The Niners are five and a half point favorites in that game, and the uh, Cowboys are one and a half point underdogs. So I'm gonna I'm gonna lean on Vegas, and I will take the Eagles win and the Cowboys lose. But I actually I think the Ravens have a good chance to win that game. But I'll take I'll take the uh, the odds, and I will I will I, you know what I will make that my golden goose as well. Okay, and then my golden goose, of course, is that the Eagles attempt a third down pass in the red zone. Okay, uh, Daniz. Um, Scenarios wise, what do we need to know about? This yeah, week? so the Cowboys losing um, would not actually be that big a, a thing right. the way things stand right now, and the reason is, um, uh, Julia, if you have the graphic on the uh, the strength of victory, the the NFC East standings right now are on the screen, and you might think like those don't look like NFC standings. Well, the the thing is, if the Eagles and Cowboys both win out, then the NFC East winner will be whichever team ends up with uh, more of the following. The Eagles need Minnesota, Tampa Bay, Kansas City, Buffalo, and Arizona's total wins to be more than the Jets, the Chargers, Carolina, Seattle, and Detroit's total wins. Those are the five uncommon wins that the two teams have. So strength of victory would come down to this, and you can see their the remaining schedules. The games highlighted in green there are ones where they are head-to-head, so they are like doubly important games because either one or the other team is going to get it. 
The Eagles currently have a 34 to 29 lead in this race. And so uh, it should be safe. It should be the case that if both teams went out, the Eagles will win the NFC East. But it is a little bit weird that it's not in their control. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it, you know, if, if, if Carolina goes on a win streak here, that could give, right. that could give Dallas the, the NFC East. So it's one of these things where it's, it's going to come down to this. Now, if each team loses a division game, Eagles to the Giants and Dallas to Washington, It'll basically be Julia this again. With the, with the small it'll, box it'll, here. It'll, it'll, it'll nice. basically be exactly this thing again. I should, like, I should get a pointer and yeah. a pointer. <laughs> no, it'll it'll basically be, be this if, if that's the case. However, if Dallas loses to Miami or to Detroit and the Eagles lose a game, it doesn't matter to who, then the tiebreaker flips. It becomes Dallas's tiebreaker. And the reason is that... Oh, even the Cardinals? Yes. Oh, okay. And the reason is that if the Eagles lose to the Giants, obviously it would be division record, right? But if the Eagles lose to Arizona and Dallas loses to, say, Miami, because that's a non-conference game, mm-hmm. Dallas would now win NFC uh, record mm-hmm. tiebreaker, and that's b- before the strength of victory. If they lose to Detroit, it's the common opponent's tiebreaker, which is actually ahead of NFC. Detroit is an uncommon game, and so that would be an uncommon loss for Dallas, whereas Arizona is a common game. Dallas lost Arizona as well. Okay. Right. And so that would give Dallas the common opponent's tiebreaker. So basically each team dropping a game, unless Dallas is dropping the game to Washington, will switch the tiebreaker to Dallas. It will go away from the strength of victory thing, which the Eagles have the advantage in, which makes the Eagles games really important and Dallas's game's not quite as important. So it's not the kind of thing where if Dallas loses on Sunday, it'll be like, okay, right. the Eagles have breathing okay. room now. Right, right, right. That is not the case. Like, the Eagles have to keep winning in order for the strength of victory thing to, to, to give them the, the, the division. A Dallas loss will not mean that, okay, now that they lost, we can lose too. The only loss that would be true for is if they lose to Washington, and that's, a, that's week 18 anyway. So, and it's the least likely game for them to lose. So that was a terrific explanation, and the way I interpret it is that if the Eagles win the division, they have Jonathan Gannon to thank, correct? No, I don't think that <laughs> well, that is the... Because, uh, no, because the... By the way, you know what is very funny yeah, is, is uh, every, every like third down thing you look at where the Eagles are dead last, Arizona's 31st. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Gannon is Gannon All is the there. third long stuff. It's like, uh, it's very funny. Right. What, what, it, what my biggest takeaway from this is unless Dallas loses the next two games, like the Eagles are going to have to play their guys. Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. They're going to have to for play sure. their guys all three weeks. They're going to have to play their guys anyway because of the race with, with Detroit as well for the two seed. So that's my next thing for this. Um, unfortunately, the loss to Seattle, as I explained on the show last week, mm-hmm. means that the Eagles have a second loss to a common opponent with Detroit. Detroit only has one such loss. Uh, they also lost to, to, to Seattle. And that gives the Lions that tiebreaker. So right now, the Lions control the two seed. If the Lions win, they're Minnesota, Dallas, Minnesota. If they win those three games, Detroit will be no worse than the two seed. The Eagles, in order to catch Detroit, need Detroit to lose a game. So the Eagles and should so root for Dallas in the Dallas-Detroit game. Uh, Eagles fans if should... If Detroit doesn't lose this week, yes. then that Detroit-Dallas game almost surely is one where it would be better for the Eagles for Dallas to win rather than Detroit win. Fascinating. Like a Dallas loss is less likely to make the difference there because of what we talked about earlier. Whereas a Detroit loss um, would make it such that the Eagles would be able to pass them in the standings. Now, that's worth the the price of admission right there. Exact opposite scenario with the, with, with the Eagles Dallas tie tie, by the way, if the Eagles and Detroit each drop a game, now the common opponents thing will be tied because all of Detroit's remaining games are against common opponents. They play the Vikings and, and Dallas, who the Eagles played both of them. And so that would be tied, and then that would also go to strength of victory. And the strength of victory race with Detroit is very tight. It's not clear like who would win. That would actually come down to like 
the 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 Patriots Jets Week 18 game or something like that. Yeah. So yeah. that could that could be a fun way to determine the the two seed. All right, good stuff. That was 49ers could still lose twice too. I'm not I'm not giving up hope on that. I think there's a lot of recency bias uh, in the way the league is followed, and it's like the 49ers are never going to lose a game again, and the Eagles are oh, never yeah. going to win a game again. That's not how this league works, and I think. Um, you know, I think uh, there's still a chance for San Francisco. I read an article course. yesterday arguing that uh, Christian McCaffrey and Brock Purdy should be co-MVPs this year. I saw a man <laughs> peeing on the street. I mean, like, <laughs> equally meaningful. Like, Hopefully they'll be MVP and lose in the second round, like uh, like another MVP we know. Uh, all right, Zach. Uh, let's Did get you to actually see a man peeing on the street? Or did you say that? I mean, not yesterday. Okay. Um, <laughs> Let's get to our uh, our crystal ball dealer predictions sure. for the game on Monday night. Yeah, what do you, you think is going to happen? Christmas night football. Looking forward to that. Late uh, afternoon. Late afternoon. Evening. Yeah, late afternoon. Yeah. Evening. Uh, the Eagles. Big favorites here. 13 and a half point favorites. It's too much, man. Okay. Uh, the over-under is 43. So that goes to show you how uh, like how much better Vegas thinks the Eagles are. How little the respect Giants. they have for the Giants offense, basically. Yeah. Against this terrible defense. And I'm with them there. Okay. Uh, the Eagles are the superior team. Uh, I... I I had a, a line in my story, in, in, in my column off of the game, that three weeks ago... The dialogue about the Eagles was a lot different. Three weeks from now, the dialogue could be about the Eagles could be different, unless you think all that matters is how they perform against good teams, and I wouldn't dispute that. Okay, uh, I think this is a get-right game on both sides of the ball. The Eagles have um, some time. You know, they had some time here. It's a Monday to Monday, which is pretty rare coming off a Monday game, right? Usually, you're in a short week. Uh, they're at home. I think uh, even with the merited frustration from the fan base. I think this is going to be a jacked-up crowd. I think this is going to be a crowd that, you know, people have off of work. They're going to enjoy Christmas morning. They're going to come to the stadium. Uh, a little spiked eggnog is that, you know, they're going to enjoy their eggnog, and they're going to have a good <laughs> have a good time. I like how satisfied, self-satisfied you were with spiked eggnog. <laughs> I've never had eggnog before. Is it good? Yeah, eggnog's good. Okay, like yeah. I've, I've, I've never had eggnog. I mean, I, I have this misconception that it's like uh, – it's it's like what Rocky's drinking when he's drinking the egg yolk. The egg yolk. Yeah, not, yeah, not the same. Not the same. Okay, yeah, never had eggnog, but um, yeah, there's people are gonna have their eggnog. They're gonna be fired up, and it's gonna be a pretty rowdy crowd from the from the beginning. Jalen Hurts, who I think is the biggest reason why the Eagles are struggling, uh, has a better game against the Giants, against the coach who uh, demoted him at Alabama. Mm. Okay, um, so Sean Desai and uh, and. Jalen Hurts can be kindred spirits <laughs> there, um, and uh, I am. I yeah, that's you know what I hadn't thought about that. The size situation yeah. is very yeah. Hurts like because Jalen had to stick around. Yeah, right? yeah. He, yeah. He, he also wasn't allowed to go anywhere. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so uh, that's a long-winded way of saying that I think the Eagles win, but I am not quite picking them to cover here. Thirteen and a half is a big number, and unless uh, un- unless it's like Alabama versus Alabama A and M, I very seldom go with these with the. Uh, with the favorite in these big lines. So uh, give me Eagles 28, Giants 16. Okay. Which is not a cover, which is crazy. <laughs> yeah, that, yes, yeah. Uh, yeah, I think, I think the Eagles go, are going to win this game comfortably, but also look not great doing it. Uh, I, just, I, I think the Giants are that bad. Uh, I, think, I think the Eagles' defense will be made to look 
okay against this DeVito offense. I think the offense is still going to struggle a little bit. Uh, we know we're going to get all kinds of blitzes from this this Wink Martindale defense. We'll see, you know, we will see if they have changed anything about their uh, zero blitz strategy in this game, which has has not been great so far this mm-hmm. season. But mm-hmm. I think just over the course of the game, they'll be able to run the ball on the <clears> Giants. And I'm going to say 24-13 is uh, is the Eagles. Win. So you don't have the, uh, the Eagles covering. I also either. don't have them covering. Yes, Eagles handled all those blitzes really well last year against Martindale. I think it's good to. It's a familiar opponent. Um, they're a little different this year. They play more. They played a, an insane amount of dime and dollar last right. year. Like dollar was like a big thing. They're not doing any of that anymore. They're just playing normal, uh, normal nickel. But um, yeah, it's Deontay still. Banks. I like it, Deontay Banks. So we'll see how he does against uh, AJ Brown. All right. Uh, I promised one more. Oh gosh. Uh, Tommy, I was about to say Ben DiNucci. One more Tommy DeVito uh, special treat here for all the sickos who stuck around. Stuck around. I'm trying to think who can I who who can give us a, a, a proper scouting report on Tommy DeVito, this this New Jersey Italian. Well, let's find out. <laughs> all right, it's time to go. You know, they say behind enemy lines. We got to get the the scouting report. We got Tommy DeVito, the New Jersey Italian who is sweeping the state by storm. Who do we know that can give us the right flavor of, of analysis on, on a New Jersey Italian? There's only one person that comes to my mind, Lisa Murray, who uh, the sickos will know as Marissa Dunn's mom, grandmother to Madison, mother-in-law to Michael. Lisa, what a backdrop you have. Zach is going to be jealous. How are you? I'm great. Thank you for having me. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for making time. Zach is going to be very jealous about this whole thing. Um, tell us, Tommy DeVito, yay or nay from your perspective? Oh, it's a, it's 100% a yay from my <laughs> perspective. I mean, what's not to like? He's the underdog, number one. He's Italian, number two. <laughs> you know, the, all the social media hype around him. And it's 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 really amazing, you know, like, the, the Giants have not had the best season and to ra- to rally around something positive and, you know, it, it's kind of fun. You know, every time f- something on social media, I send it to my siblings and we kind of get a laugh. It, you know, brings out the whole Italian thing. And, yeah. You know. What do we, what, what's a, what's a, what's an example of one of your favorite in one of those clips? Um, I think one of my favorite was Jimmy Fallon. And mm. he says that's Amore, you know, and it, and it, and he sings that's Devito. You, you know, some people might think that that's like, you know, has anybody ever done a song parody of a, of an Italian quarterback before who is a division rival of the Eagles? I don't know if he's stealing that from anybody, but I guess you know, good good job by Jimmy. Uh, how do we feel about the uh, you know this the celebration? Oh, I I, I think that's cute. That's cute. <laughs> and his parents were in on his parents. Um, well, I think it's awesome that 200 people were at that game, you know, like, like, I feel like everybody rallies around, you know, that's an Italian thing, you know, like when somebody does good, everybody does good. Okay. Now the Eagles are, are playing DeVito on Christmas. So are we assuming that he's going to be like full from a feast of the seven fishes type deal? Is that going to be an advantage Eagles? Oh, I don't know. I don't know. What's that? What is what is on the menu for you this this holiday season? Oh, it's kind of like what's not on the menu. Okay. 
because we have all the the seven fishes, the old traditional stuff, and okay. then you know we have um, we have a lot of like modern day vegans and vegetarians, and so we incorporate we we incorporate everything for everybody. You know, so. are you and how much of the cooking are you doing? I I usually make lasagna, meatballs. You know, all the all the things my mom would make. Those are my duties. Okay, you know, now. Cheesecake. They're making a big deal in the DeVito story about how he's still staying at home with his parents, like, you know, sleeping, sleeping at home. You know, I know somebody else who's familiar with uh, having an NFL player stay in their house in New Jersey. Oh, what, what's, what's I, I made your... a joke. That was one of my cracks to my siblings. I was like, what's this big deal about DeVito living at home with his, his mom? I said, I got a whole family living with me that's been playing in the NFL for five years. So. And he's not even an offensive lineman. They're not, they don't have to feed him what you have to feed Michael. Yeah, I love it. Love it, though. You know, that's now, what, what Italian moms do. You know? This is going to be a, this is going to be like a real uh, heartwarming treat for for the old school sickos here. Uh, they're gonna they're gonna want me to ask how is how is Madison doing? What's your what's your scouting report on Madison? Uh, she's a doll. She she smiles twenty four seven. She is the happiest baby ever, and she's a ham like her mother, and she talks a lot like her mother. Okay, so yeah, That's but good. she has her dad's easygoing personality, so it's it's kind of a nice mix. And his and his past sets as well. <laughs> we'll find out. We'll find out one day. It has been a you know we got we got lots of playing time from Michael. The, the Browns have been a feel good story. I would say you know better feel good than uh, Devito, maybe longer lasting. It has been fun to watch. Yes, it's it's always fun. And you know what? In Michael's case, everybody rallies around Michael, just like Devito's family rallies around him. There you so. go. Yeah. Uh, any final uh, DeVito thoughts? Are, we, are you going to be rooting for DeVito or, or are you going to be rooting for your, your old friends with the Eagles? Uh, I, you know, I, I kind of. It's okay. I kind of like to, to root for, you know, I like the underdog, but I like the Eagles mostly because of you guys. You know? We'll take that. Uh, now, yeah. Zach, Zach's going to be upset he didn't get to talk to you. Do you have anything to say to, to Zach? Yeah, I hope he had a nice holiday too, you know, with his family. Um, and he has all the siblings like I do. So that's right. You know, so I'm sure they had a nice holiday as well. All right. So, well, and I'm sorry. Uh, I'm sorry I missed him. He will be sorry too. Uh, Lisa, thank you for letting us bother you for a few minutes. A wonderful backdrop. Uh, thank you for the insight. Happy holidays, and as always, we love you. And happy holidays to you and your family as well. Thank you so much. Okay. All right. That was awesome. <laughs> Thank you to Lisa. Yes. What a pleasure. Only thing better would be is if, is if we spoke to Marissa. But yeah, you got to throw Lisa under the bus no, right? no, no, that quickly just because she said that she had nothing to say to you? Unbelievable. <laughs> no, no, no. This I, thing goes uh, in both directions <laughs> generation-wise. It was like, what was it like to see to, to see the baby? And Zach's <laughs> like, well, it was much better to see Marissa <laughs> than the baby. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> I was like, I, well, that was fine, but it would have been better to see Marissa. I stood by that, but it was, it was, it was, it was awesome seeing Mrs. Murray. But, uh, oh, yeah, I, I, I miss seeing Marissa. That's all I was saying. Okay. Well, continue the the, the entire uh, lineage as Dennis has continues to take shots from Zach. All right. Uh, that'll do it for this episode of the PHLY Eagles podcast. Thank you 
to everybody for watching and listening. Thank you to Lisa Murray. Thank you to Marissa for being in the chat. Thank you to Jason at Farina DeVita. Thank you to Julia and Chris. Chris put that whole thing together. Fantastic job. Turned it around quickly. Uh, so thank you to everybody. Thank you to Dane Is for being here. Thank you, Zach. Happy holidays yeah, to Christmas everybody who uh, is a sicko. And we will talk to you on Christmas Day for the kickoff show. Devon Givens is going to be joining me in studio. And then, of course, after the game, we'll have the post-game show with Zach live from Lincoln Financial Field. All good stuff as the Eagles try to turn this thing around. So for all of us here, we thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. We'll talk to you on Monday. And as always, we love you. Mm -hmm. Silly like the mayor.